The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today as we wind our way to the end of the first month of 2021. And if you're like me, you're exhausted. <laughs> like, what a what a crazy year last year. And then just trying to kind of regroup as we get into the first month of 2021 here. So, you know, as I was getting through January, a book came across my desk that made me think back to the good old days of 2012. Remember that? <laughs> back in 2012 when you can hang out with people and everything was great. Well, also back in 2012, remember people were talking about the Mayan prophecies and the world was going to experience some major cataclysmic event on December 21st, 2012. Remember that? People were freaking out. They thought their computers were going to go crazy. And the date was regarded as the end date of the 5,000 year long cycle of the Mayan long count calendar and new age gurus are going nuts. They're saying this date marked a period in which earth and all of its inhabitants would experience a positive physical or spiritual transformation. Well, we're waiting and you know, that didn't really happen. And then Mayan scholars said that the idea was misrepresented and the idea of the long calendar ending in 2012 was wrong. Well, we saw that, you know, it was definitely wrong. So what did the Mayan calendar really say? And was there any indication of what we are experiencing now or what we have been experiencing? You know, should it have been 2020 and 2021 instead of 2012? Well, my guest today is going to help us make sense of the past year we just went through and the year we are getting into right now. Sergio Magana is a world-renowned mystic author and teacher who comes from a spiritual lineage that began 5,000 years ago in Mesoamerica. And this information was passed on to the Aztecs, the last great culture. He's a gifted writer, and he was able to interpret this ancient wisdom for a modern audience. And his latest book is called The Real Toltec Prophecies, How the Aztec Calendar Predicted Modern-Day Events and reveals a pathway to a new era of humankind. So I thought this would be a perfect topic to talk about as we get to the end of January here. So Sergio joins me from Mexico City. And thanks for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, welcome. Thank you to you, Diane, for this invitation. And always honored to talk with you, like we did it uh, some years ago. And and to explain, because there is a lot of confusion uh, around the world uh, because of what is happening nowadays. By the way, Happy New Year to all your audience. And, uh, and about the calendars, the prophecies of the past, uh, what really happened. And actually, uh, I didn't uh, think that I had an answer uh, until last year, when many of the teachings of my uh, of the past uh, made made sense for me and matched with uh, what we have really lived like uh, humankind. And tell us a little bit about the Aztec calendar, just to educate some people. And why is that so important to the world we're living in today? Why is the Aztec calendar still relevant? Okay, uh, these ancient uh, calendars um, that, for example, because the, the ones that are really, really famous are like the Mayan one, the, the Aztec, but uh, they are based in, in, similar, in similar counts. For example, the, the long count of, of, of both calendars is what the Egyptians uh, called precession of equinoxes. Uh, then, the, um, then also in the Western astrology, that same uh, cycle of thousands of years was split between the 12 astrological signs. And then the difference with the ones from, of America was like the Mayans, 
um, uh, splitted the the long count the, that uh, that is like a like I said a cycle. Some say say of twenty six thousand, others of twenty six thousand five hundred in five cycles, and the Toltecs and Aztecs, because actually the calendar is not Aztec. The Aztecs carved the the very famous sun uh, stone in their time. That's why it's named uh, Aztec calendar. But it's the recap uh, uh, the recapitulation of the wisdom of Teotihuacan, Toltecs, and many many cultures. So, uh, and like we are, uh, and like, uh, and like I am saying. Uh, it's pretending to to measure the big big uh, cycles of the universe so uh, that if the modern history is like uh, it was taught for us uh, i don't know where where the information was taken from because it's based in in cycles of thousands of years but uh, from those measures the, those calendars were able to make uh, prophecies, predictions. And actually, the one that I have seen that fulfilled everything that was said is the one that is in the Aztec and the inheritance of the Toltecs. And it's still relevant to what's happening today, right? It's still, it's still important to us in modern days. Yeah, because actually... Uh, uh, like like you said in the in in the beginning of the of the show, uh, in the 2012, everyone was worried about the end of the world, uh, the possibility of the computers or the golden age of humankind, and nothing of that happened. Uh, some years before, uh, I used to do like a radio show in Mexico City, uh, hosting. Uh, many guests about different types of spirituality and Buddhism and many, many things and Kabbalah. And I think something uh, happened. Uh, you know, I know that something happened because one of the, of the uh, listeners uh, is one of the main keepers of the, of the central count of Mexico of the Toltec and Aztec cultures. So he heard the show and then he decided that I was going to be the one that was going to spread information around the world. So he went and looked for me, and it was uh, 2005. And then he told me that uh, there was other count. It was the first time that I have heard about uh, other count because everyone, like like we said, was fascinated by 2012 and expecting all kind of, of different effects. And that that count uh, had a difference of nine years uh, with the Mayan one. And in the beginning, I asked why could that happen, and then he told me something that that is uh, very logical: that um, in the ancient times, every every at least fifty-two years, the wise men of different cultures uh, used to come together. Uh, in order to make adjustments to the calendar, to see the next dates that were dates that were going to be important, and to adjust uh, if something wasn't really calculated in a precise way, and uh, like the Mayan culture uh, flowered uh, long time before that the, the Toltecs and the Aztecs, so probably the, the date of 2012 that, that actually was important didn't have the last adjustments, so it didn't get to 2021, 2026, and things that were predicted by the last cultures. Uh, and actually, uh, he sent me to see a very beautiful temple in a place the, close to Mexico City named Xochicalco, where the temple of Quetzalcoatl, that means the precious knowledge, represents all, all these wise men and women that they look really different uh, in their races, uh, like Olmecs, Mayans, uh, Toltecs. Uh, they were together adjusting the calendars. 
and that the main points for adjust, adjustments uh, were the eclipses. So that was the first time that I heard about other count, uh, starting and finishing point eclipses. And I was really curious because I said, okay, maybe yes, maybe not. And, and actually in the first class, he told me that in the count of the central Mexico, things weren't so radical like uh, uh, that one day you are in one king or one katun and then the next day you are in the next one. No, that, is, it was, that was more organic, like uh, nature. That, for example, it could be like night and then slowly, slowly the light comes, then there are half and half, and then finally the the darkness vanishes and light uh, uh, rules for the for the day so that the the transition between one period and the other in this counts took 29 years the first 22 give an external change and the last nine that we are finishing now uh, that would provide the inner change and very challenging times for humankind because we were crossing through the underworlds. So let me ask you about the significance of 2021. And you had mentioned, you know, the year that we're getting into now, and then also 2026 as years of great transition. And you go into much more detail in the book, and I hope people check out the book because it's so fascinating to learn about these time periods and the transitions uh, the time periods are described as suns in the book. So you had explained that we're coming out of the fifth sun going into the sixth, the sixth sun in 2021. So what is the significance of, you know, what will happen this year? You know, why is 2021 being described as a year of great transition? Yes. First, I would like to explain to your audience uh, uh, what are we referring with suns? Suns are periods of 6,625 years. Um, so we are, uh, and we're quite privileged, I think, to be witnessing like uh, a transition from one to the other. For the first time in my life, because of all these ideas that we chose to be here in these times, sounds for me so new agey that I... I wasn't really convinced, but now with everything that is happening, I said, yeah, probably uh, at least I chose it because I find it fascinating because it's when you see that the ancient wisdom knew and that they have these tools to foresee it. So the, the characteristics of the fifth sun is like a sun of the waking state. Normally when we are awake, our perception is uh, we, are, we have open eyes and we are looking outside. So we put God outside. They are very good for religions. And we see in the past thousands of years, the three major uh, uh, patriarchal religions have been ruled the world. They are very good also for external medicine. We need or plants or we need people to heal us. For uh, uh, satisfaction is also outside. We need to conquer to have things in order to be happy. So, uh, and of course, they have a lot of more characteristics, but those are like the main ones. A perception that goes much more outside than inside us. Uh, the sixth uh, sun is like alternating night and day. Uh, uh, is a, a sun of the night, of the darkness. That darkness doesn't mean bad. It means like if we are sleeping, we have closed eyes and we are looking inside. So if we are looking inside uh, and our perception keeps like that for a long time, there is no possibility of having a God outside us because there is nothing outside us. Uh, also, first, we have to see our, our psyche, our unconsciousness, our thoughts, uh, then our dreams, like the main creators of this reality. And then we have to take all the responsibility of uh, taking uh, the creation, uh, what happens to us, 
and everything into ourselves. That, of course, that will take uh, 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 not exactly in the next year it will be completely finished, but that uh, in, in a certain time we will see clearly, and we are seeing it clearly now, because things are shifting uh, in, uh, in such uh, an spectacular way. Because actually, when I got this information, to be, to be honest, Diane, I didn't know if it was going to be truth. Uh, I was fascinated by the Toltec tradition, and that's why I wrote a book about this 10 years ago. And that's why now anyone can say that I made it up uh, very convenient for what is happening because it's already written. And not in this last book, but in a previous one that I published 10 years ago. But uh, I wasn't so fascinated by the prophecy. I was fascinated by the dream world and other things about the tradition. But then uh, I began seeing... Uh, like everyone else, that in twenty in twenty twelve uh, nothing spectacular happened, and then that the uh, the every year that actually is starting from twenty thirteen uh, until twenty twenty one, we were going to leave the underworlds or where uh, our mind is trapped, like uh, like humans, and everything was fitting. For example, the first, the first thing that impressed me, it was in 2013, because it was when the, the, the mobile internet came and it, it gave origin to the cell phones. And of course, they uh, evolved from being like a luxury object to be uh, like, uh, like the right hand or left hand of almost everyone in the world. And that's when Hugo made me the first, like, um, like uh, he told me, do you see how the prophecy is fulfilling? And I didn't understand. I said, how? Because he said, uh, in the fifth zone, everyone was seeing outside. Now, uh, like, it, it, it cannot be uh, a, a complete change that happens in in just one month, but people is starting not to look outside, but into a middle point, going backwards to themselves. But now every, almost everyone in the world is looking at a cell phone or at a computer, like uh, a midpoint. And that then he says that something is going to happen in order to take uh, um, most of the people completely to the, to the inner world. So, Seeing like that, I said, okay, it's fulfilling. And then many things like nationalism, uh, the recognizing epigenetics, like that we were carrying like also information of ancestors, many things that, that he predicted, uh, not him, but the culture, like the underworlds were happening. But what really uh, made me look with an amazing respect about this prophecy was... Uh, 2020 because it was uh, the year that belonged to the eighth underworld of the ancient Toltecs and Aztecs. That is an underworld that is described like the one of complete darkness in which... And did it... Uh, the one, yeah. I, well, I was just going to say, when you're talking about the underworld too and and you know, some of those things that sound pretty ominous, were the predictions able to show what happened with the pandemic and what's still happening? Yeah, because uh, it was like the complete darkness. So, of course, mythologically, uh, it was supposed that the soul or, or, or your dreaming body or even ourselves get there and we are in complete darkness, so we lose the path. So everyone is um, forced to stop. And the first thing that happened is that we were forced to stop. Uh, almost all the world, from, uh, from traveling, from working, and, and then uncertainty. Because if you are in complete darkness and you don't know the path, uh, of course, 
this anxiety, this uncertainty that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic last uh, year was in almost every human being in the world. But then uh, other parts of the prophecy that actually I didn't remember uh, quite clear, I remember uncertainty to stop and that was fitting. But when I went to my notes, I was really impressed because he uh, also described like for the central cultures, the suns are metaphorically compared with periods of like of the day. So one could be from midnight to the dawn, other from the dawn to to uh, midday. Uh, and, and like that, they were describing, and that gives like characteristics of the main forces that are ruling those periods. And that the fifth was a sun that came from the sunset to the midnight. And normally when they start with the sun, the tendency of that period uh, has much more a masculine dominance because the sun is mainly uh, a masculine uh, force uh, that suddenly had to become more feminine while we were entering in the night. But that something happened with the three patriarchal um, uh, religions that the shift didn't happen. So that now that we're entering directly into, into a feminine sun, because it's entering in the night, that is considered a feminine force, together with the moon uh, and, of course, the earth. Uh, and that the, the lack of balance that was created in the past thousands of years was going to start showing in this underworld, in this eighth underworld, starting with the earth that uh, was going to show the lack of balance through infections and lack of uh, abundance. When I remember this, that I have known for 15 years, but the last part I had forgotten, I said, oh my God, it's exactly what we are living. And then I completely became a believer that the, probably the previous date didn't have the adjustment uh, and, and also of the, next, uh, of the next predictions of the, uh, of, of, for example, 2021, the May, then 2026, in order to get an idea of what was going to happen. But yesterday I was doing other interview for a Spanish uh, radio show and they told me, okay, it's quite impressive, but what can we do? I said, I would have never written something like this because it's quite scary if, if, uh, if there weren't solutions included. Because also the ancient ones left a lot of, of techniques of how to go with grace. Uh, through the stages that now we are and the ones are, that are uh, uh, supposed to come and that I'm sure that I'm coming. Right. So we have to look forward to, I mean, it's amazing that they were able to pinpoint, you know, and, and kind of predict what we're experiencing right now. It's so incredible that these ancient cultures had that kind of knowledge and you're able to decipher it and, and share it with us. I think it's, it's so fascinating. I'm talking with Sergio Magana about his new book, kind of re uh, reimagining and explaining, you know, the real Toltec prophecies, what things really mean and, you know, how we misunderstood the calendar, the Aztec calendar back in 2012. And also he has predictions and things we can do as we enter into this new era of humankind, you know, it's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's pretty mind blowing, you know, when you think about it. So we're just going to take a break in about two minutes and then we'll be back to chat a little bit more about it. So, um, just to let the listeners know when you were talking about your teacher, I don't know if they were clear if they hadn't read the book yet, that this was uh, a man named Hugo who kind of sought you out to share all of this knowledge. So I just want to make sure he gets some credit too. Yeah, no, of course. And uh, his name is Hugo Garcia. And in Nahuatl, the ancient language, Ugo Nawi, 
And actually, I want to thank him and to honor because uh, also about talking about eclipses and that, in the past eclipse, he had a stroke. And and now he's recovering. And and then he told me, okay, I burned all my karma with the moon (laughs) in this eclipse. But following uh, actually his own teachings that the eclipses are breaking points that may take you to fortune or misfortune. And he's still alive, though, right? He's alive today? Yeah, no, the stroke was 15 days ago in the last moon eclipse. Oh, wow. And then now he he recovered from the sun eclipse. And then and he told me, I, I've got uh, a lot of information from the coma. I haven't been able to visit him. But yeah, it was like magical because it happened in the moon eclipse of... Te- uh, no, 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 uh, uh, that happened in December, sorry. And then in the uh, 12 days uh, later, he woke up in the sun eclipse uh, with a lot of information. Well, I'm glad that he's okay. How old is he? I mean, he's been studying this for a long time. Is he very old or no? not so much? Actually, um, he came from uh, his family. His grandparents and parents are from the mystic culture. Uh, that is uh, the ones that were in Oaxaca. And uh, then he is, I think, like 55 or 60. Oh, okay. Not not that old. He's close to my age, so he's not that old. No, I'm no. Diane Ray. We're just going to take a, a quick break. We'll be right back to talk more with Sergio Magana about the real Toltec prophecies. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be right back. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me through the break. I'm talking with Sergio Magana. Just so fascinating, the information he's sharing here as we're getting into 2021 about the real Toltec prophecies. And his new book explains how the Aztec calendar predicted modern day events, things we're experiencing right now, and also how they reveal a pathway to a new era of humankind. And just before the break, Sergio, you know, you touched a little bit on how you know, we're getting into this sixth sun, this new era, which actually officially starts on May 26 of this year, and we'll go through 2026. And that you, as you, you explain in the book that the feminine, these are feminine uh, forces, feminine energies that are coming up during the time of this sixth sun. And you talked a little bit about that, but what what else does what are the implications of that, of more feminine forces arising? What can we look forward to? Uh, that's quite interesting. That's why I loved like, the explanation of the suns metaphorically being compared with periods of the, of the day. Because uh, most of the suns, they start or in the dawn or midday or sunset. So they have a tendency of of more a male dominance of, of forces that we have seen in, in, the, in the religions and that lately. Uh, the more feminine sons actually uh, are like this one, the ones that start at midnight. And because the night is considered like the most feminine force, that is that the night is the one, the same one like the, the darkness of the Bible from which light came is the one that the, the Egyptians and the summer people saw like the Virgo, uh, uh, the, the Virgo figure that, uh, that was in the skies, like a lady when the astrological sign Virgo entered. It's also the, the one here in Mexico, it's called Cuatlique, the power of the earth and the universe to give life and death and in the Andes. So it's, it's everywhere, the blue of the Tibetans. So, uh, and that is a very, a very feminine force. And so this, this kind of, of sons 
are much more for, like we said, for introspection. So they may be lived for many people through technology in the beginning, but then it must uh, take to the self-exploration of our soul and our path. So are the, uh, the, ma the main ones for evolution. Actually, like also is ruling the moon. The moon uh, forces people to see one of the most fascinating parts of ourselves, our unconscious mind that uh, we have every night while we dream. And, and that's why in the languages of the world, Uh, it is said, the girl of my dreams, my worst nightmare, uh, the house of my dreams, uh, describing that first we have to dream it and then it will happen. And so those uh, secrets that were uh, apparently hidden, I don't know why, because actually in the Bible and Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, everyone said that the, the dreams were like the, when uh, Freud uh, were like the main source of information. But for most of the people, dreams nowadays are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a dream. Right. We disregard them. Yeah. And, and it's quite sad because it's like telling one third of us, uh, you don't count. <laughs> You're just like, they're like uh, an ornament <laughs> or something that must happen. And when you learn the power of dreams, Because actually, that's why I, I wrote uh, the first book like uh, about the Toltec tradition, not because of the prophecy. I put it there, but because I was fascinated by the dreams. When I learned that there were like many periods that, for example, before falling asleep, you can uh, dream planting, gardening in your own unconsciousness to, to dream plant certain archetypes that will take you to Uh, a benefit in your life that then the, there you could learn like uh, conscious sleeping, the way to fall asleep, uh, crossing the four steps like getting heavy, stiff, cold, and finally changing the rhythm of the breath in order to enter in delta brain waves that is deep asleep without losing the consciousness. And if you are able to do that, you may... Um, Um, make uh, the program of, of healing and repairing your body of your ancestors a lot more effective. And like that also lucidity to create your life. And so it's so passionate what happens in one night and the possibilities that uh, uh, you can conquer through your dreams that uh, then I find, I, I find fascinating this. That's why I said, yes, if I chose a, a kind of son to be born, is this one. Uh, so, so what you're saying and what you described in the book, uh, at, at this period of the feminine force, you know, coming into power and being so much stronger, we have the ability through our dreams to really create the life that we want and really make change. And so, We should really pay more attention, especially, you know, going into this, this cycle of mm -hmm. that process. And, and you explain how to do it in the book. It's really interesting, you know, the whole dream process, conscious dreams, and how we can remember them uh, a lot better. Yeah, so it, actually, it's really interesting. Yeah, actually, the last ruler of the Aztecs, uh, two days before Tenochtitlan, now Mexico City, um, was conquered. Uh, gave like a command, an order saying, hide our treasure, uh, transmitted from master to student, from fathers to the sons and mother to the daughters, because with the sick son is coming back. Of course, in that time, the treasure was thought to be uh, gold, but now we know that it was this knowledge of how from, from your darkness, from your inside, you may create everything in your outside and that of course uh, leads you to to the precious jewel of of any serious tradition a conscious dying so it's fascinating because normally in the other sons this information is hidden for a small group 
Now it's everywhere. If if people choose to see Netflix and Facebook instead of of dreaming and conscious dying, it's an option. But in in the past, it's not. You must be very lucky so to you, be born. Yeah. You you mentioned you mentioned dreaming, and then you also mentioned conscious dying, and that's something that you've been you've been teaching. So how can you do that? I guess like conscious dying is that just being more aware and and embracing that natural process of what's happening to you rather than fearing it? Okay, that's part. But no, actually, that the first thing that I learned, not from my first teacher, Hugo, but by his very good friend, Charlotte, he told me to learn to dream is to learn to die. And I was a teenager and like that, and it didn't sound uh, attractive for me at all. I said, why would I like to learn how to die? Uh, and then he said, okay, something like to have a spectacular death or a, a fabulous death, you must have had a, a wonderful life. But then you learn that, for example, lucidity in dreams is the, um, just the fact that they get the awareness that you are dreaming when you are dreaming. Uh, for example, conscious dying would be that if you die, it will look very, very similar to a dream. So suddenly, for example, if I was dead now doing this interview and I see something that calls my attention, I said, okay, no, this is not a dream. This is not life. I am death. And if I recognize that I am death, then I can guide the process of my soul in order where it's going to leave my body for, uh, in order not to reincarnate, uh, or uh, to become part of the sun, like it could be the, the equivalent of nirvana for the Eastern tradition, or to become a light being and uh, that is very similar to heaven in other traditions in, in order to be uh, giving good vibrations and love, or, to, or the one of the Nawal, that is the one of the crown, to be in complete uh, freedom. Uh, but in the beginning, of course, dreaming is, and I did it like for uh, writing books, for uh, traveling and everything. But at the end, uh, it makes you explore the last, uh, the last action that you will do that is dying. Wow. That's, that's so amazing. That That's a cool, uh, that's really an amazing concept. I like that because I think so many people in Western culture, first of all, were terrified of death and dying. And usually it's a horrible experience for many people. They're stuck in a hospital somewhere or they're alone or, you know, it's, they don't know what's happening. Nothing's being explained to them. And I like what you're saying with this concept of conscious dying where you're, you're aware and you, you can make choices at, at that moment, instead of being just kind of the the victim or whatever's happening, you just, you, you have no say or no choice in what's happening. But yeah. you're saying we can have a choice. Yeah, of course. And you start preparing yourself uh, many, many years before. And it doesn't mean that you're going to die uh, before. Actually, it, it makes your life longer so that you have time to really train. And... You decide uh, where you would like to go, then you may change your opinion, opinion, but then you're practicing the process. And for example, I had a a very strong experience in the earthquake that happened in Mexico City like three years ago, that I was in in a building that uh, had like this rumor that, that had been damaged in a previous earthquake. And actually in this one almost felt and I saw pieces of the building falling down and everything. I was in a 10th floor, and so I couldn't uh, escape, not, not even, uh, not run uh, and nothing. So I said, okay, if it, if it is, I, I wouldn't like to be trapped here only waiting to be rescued. So I will see if what I had been learning is true. And at least I will be less desperate like than anyone else that is trapped uh, between pieces of buildings because I will be practicing where I would like to go. I still don't know if it was going to be effective, but it gave me... Uh, we were t- talking about not, not having uh, to be uncertain. This gave me 
that security that I needed in that moment and would have made, I think, the moment of my death a lot more uh, at least pleasant. And I, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I can see where this knowledge, you know, what you're and what you're sharing will be so healing for people to really explore this because I know there's there's so much fear and um just lack of knowledge around the whole, you know, the dying process and all of that. That's so fascinating. Now I wanted to ask you um just to shift gears a little bit about um something that you mentioned in the book that I thought was was pretty cool about the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters star cluster. And you you say that you can make predictions for the distant future based on the position of the sun in relation to these stars. They're also called the Seven Sisters. And I've read also in, in other from other teachers about the significance of the Pleiades. And maybe you could just talk a, a little bit about that. Why, why does that come up in the calendar? and in the information that they share. Yeah, of course. Because if we see the Pleiades, uh, they are not really bright in the cosmos. You barely see them. Uh, and I always wonder why they were so important for so many cultures. Uh, because they weren't like, like the Northern Stars or Orion that you clearly see it. And... But then uh, I got my explanation for, for actually the Aztec calendar because in the long count where it's drawn, you see that uh, uh, the, the last ring of, the, of this calendar is represented by two serpents that, ha that have a human-headed um, uh, face and in, in, where there are certain feathers. And in those feathers, you see seven small balls, and then uh, an earring that is bigger. And then I learned from my teachers that those seven small circles or balls were the Pleiades and the earring, the sun. So that the long count was our spinning uh, of our sun around the Pleiades in this cycle of 26,500 years. Wow. So, uh, uh, so it's very important. Yes, because every 26,500 years we repeat our pos pos position uh, according to the Pleiades. So that gives uh, the new period similar um, energy and characteristics than the one that was 26,500 years before. But at least, but at the same time, a complete new opportunity because the Pleiades are in other place in the universe. So it's something similar but new. Okay. I yeah, I always try to describe it like like the days. For example, every morning is like a new one, but it's similar like to the previous one. Probably not in the weather, but with the same characteristics. But at the same time, with the opportunity of doing something new. For example, this new sun will have certain characteristics of the second one because we are repeating the position. And the description of the second one was that people became monkeys. Monkeys, not like the prehistorical human beings. No, it's the archetype of pleasure, of losing discipline and sense. Uh, something like in the biblical Sodoma, Gomorrah. I don't know how to say in English exactly, but... So that probably the decadence of Rome uh, uh, was uh, of great influence in that sun, and that's why the wind came and blew everything. So something that may happen but, uh, in this sun would be that pleasures, uh, uh, even in technology, virtual reality, uh, drugs, and whatever could distract people from their own uh, research of themselves uh, because it's a huge task. But the six is a much more auspicious number than the second. Second is duality. Six is like oneness. So uh, I think we have a lot more probabilities of uh, doing it better uh, this time than in the second. 
Right. Well, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm hopeful as uh, you know, as we go forward in into this next sun and, you know, into into the rest of this year. So I just wanted to ask you something else about the significance of that star cluster of the Pleiades. So I've read from some people on the internet and, you know, different teachers that they some people believe that there is life in on those stars. Some people think they come from the Pleiades. I've, I've read this. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? Is the significance of that that there might be other life from that from that star cluster? Do you uh, think that's possible? Yeah, I think it's possible. I I believe that there is life uh, outside our planet. But that's my belief. I don't want it to be said that it was said by the Toltecs thousands of years right. ago. <laughs> but that's, that's Sergio. I believe that. But vibrational, actually, the next date that is important in the prophecies, that is 2026, consists uh, in the measure that have uh, about the position and the angles between Orion and the Pleiades that they repeat the same position in the cosmos every 52 years. And Orion represents like the power, the power of a group over other. So like something like Saturn, something that is domination and the Pleiades represent like the benefit of the collective or something like it would be more the oneness. So actually by vibration, it would be when the when the vibration of the Pleiades uh, get, gets stronger than the one of Orion, that uh, things will be shifting much more uh, of the, uh, from the benefit of a certain groups of power to uh, much more a global and collective vision. Right. Well, I mean, I I agree with you in that. I mean, I've always felt that there's there has to be more life in this vast infinite universe. So it's ridiculous to think we're the only living beings in the whole universe. So that that's crazy. And maybe, maybe that is true about the Pleiades, you know, maybe there is life there, but you're also saying that it's, um, it's a, it's a significant, it's a significant star cluster that, and the way it's positioned in the universe is significant because things move around. Rightly, you're saying in the second sun, there's similar things that are happening in this one as far as where they are in the sky, right? Yeah, I don't know if everything moves around the Pleiades, but at least the sun, yes. And yes. actually, that that's very interesting because there were, like in the ancient Toltec and Aztec Empire, two main temples. Uh, most of the people in anthropology, they, they say that it's one temple of the moon and one temple of the sun. But it's not truth. The one of the moon, of course, it was including the moon, but it was more dedicated to the to the Pleiades. That actually in Nahuatl, the ancient language was uh, they were named Tianquistli, and it was said that everything because in in the temple of the moon and in that part, the market where everyone went to exchange their products uh, took place, and that everything was arranged in the in the shape of how we see the Pleiades in the skies. So the people of, of cacao or the people of turkeys and that they were like in the in the shape of the Pleiades. And that's why now, even in Mexico to the markets, we call them tianguis. So because uh, the ability of the Pleiades of reestablishing the cosmic order. And it's been so interesting to talk with you about this. I mean, I think this is so cool. And what, you know, the book is out now. What do you hope the effect of reading this is on the public? What do you hope people, you know, your readers are going to get from reading the book? What's your, your hope? First of all, uh, I would have never written this uh, like I uh, like I said before, without any solution, only like for the way of, oh my God, the Toltecs were right, because it even to know it is quite scary, because uh, we know that a certain order uh, has to be destroyed uh, to make a space for the other, but like there were so many tools 
of how to reconnect with the earth, how to create your life with uh, with your dreams, how to, uh, for example, even for the for the immune system, instead of only using the masculine uh, power that fights, that destroys viruses, bacteria, to use the one of the the feminine fire that would rise the vibration in order to make home the earth so that you are not attacked. So that gives tools and, for example, certainty. And for example, for the ones that that, that we are practicing, I have been having, uh, after the shock of what happened, of losing also my job, of giving uh, workshops all over the world and suddenly have to start again and that, I have been having one of the best times of my life because I had already started doing my training for these times without knowing that they were going to happen. And, and I feel comfortable with the, with the, of course, I know that things will shift and sometimes you're doing your work and you feel great, but people around you are suffering and that's not nice, but it gives Power, actually. Power to transit. And not expecting everything from the outside like it would be in the fifth sun, like uh, vaccines or look or whatever, gov or a uh, spaceship to, to save us, to, 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 get, uh, to give ourselves the opportunity and the faith to transform ourselves. Right. It gives us the power and... It's really amazing to explore these ideas and it's coming right when we need it, you know, right when we need it the most. So I have to thank you for that. And the book is available right now. And also I want to mention, it's very cool that the audio book is available read by the actress, Michelle Rodriguez from the fast and the furious. So people might want to check that out and you can pick that up on Amazon. And, you know, I know that, you're not doing the traveling and, you know, we're all still kind of hanging out, but, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe by the end of this year, definitely next year, you'll be back out and you'll be teaching again. I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Yeah. 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 Now I'm like in the introspection uh, part. I'm teaching online, of course, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward. And just quickly, I will say that Michelle, that I thank her because she did an amazing work uh, reading the book, was one of my testimonials of dreaming because my PR best that you know told me, if you want to, do, to have big uh, things in America, you need a celebrity to follow you. In a lucid dream, I planted celebrity, not, not, not her and nothing. And then she saw an interview with me and Gaia, and in 15 days, she contacted me, and now we're like the best friends and doing many, many things together, but it's a complete dreaming creation. Well, it's been so great to talk with you and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Diane. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, and thank you for all the work that you're doing for uh, spreading all the types of good information for, for your audience. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.